So there was a like, all we had an all hands company meeting. Yeah. And at the end of the meeting, the last five minutes, someone gave a presentation on good video conferencing etiquette. Yeah, that sounds like a good thing to do. Uh, it was fine. I don't agree with everything that was said. One thing, for example, that I can't do and seems mildly sociopathic is not to look where the person's eyes are on your screen, but look at the camera, which logically I understand why, but like <sighs> I cannot do that. Okay, here's the compromise. Scale your screen setup so that the people's that who are talking are close to the camera. Sure. Just do that. Sure. Because otherwise you get these people who have their laptop camera, is it like their navel? Yeah. And then, but they're actually looking up on their big monitor standing desk. Sure. It's no good. You sure. want the camera and the people you're talking to, to be in the same general direction. I'm still going to look at your eyes because otherwise I feel really disassociated. The other thing was like to change your background, like what was behind you to be more less distracting for people and i'm like uh, why, why are you like uh, uh you're just like that's a lot of work well for example in it's like not genuine to sh- to not let like the dumpster fire behind me be visible no listen i'm not saying that you should have a bunch of trash i'm just saying like <laughs> for for example you we don't know podcasts i find it very interesting that no one has figured out that audio only is great because like actually people started have started to at my job and i've started to just I don't need to turn my video on most of the time, but like, cause we do these podcasts, we don't ever have video on. So you don't know that there is a giant mirror mm. almost directly behind me. Mm. Yeah. That's going to compromise your upside there. And I, I, tr- I stay in that frame as much as possible. So I do try to help with that, but I'm yeah. not going to unbuild the room. There's things you could do that aren't unbuilding it. For example, covering the mirror. I could, you know, or I could get a yeah. green screen. I mean, whatever. But the one, the one thing that I took to heart was that he, he said, you know, use a better mic if you and especially if you already have a great mic and i thought wow well i have this really fancy podcasting mic that's always attached to my desk that's right here so why don't i do that and what was so great about that was that the first like five or six video calls i did after i decided that immediately someone on the call was like i feel like i'm on your podcast (laughs) like do a radio cold open you know and all this kind of stuff and i'm like hey you know like doing Nice. Cool. Yeah. Is, could they fun. see the microphone or is that just because they No, could they could see it. I, good. I, yeah. I had the video and that was when I decided that was part of when I decided that I don't I just don't think that my video needs to be on most of the time. Like if it's a one on one call, I feel like at work that's kind of the etiquette. But if there's a bunch of people in a room, unless I'm really going to be speaking a lot and I want to be able to like raise my hand or get people's attention, you don't need to see me. It's fine. And, well, OK. OK. So but actually, I mean, if it's just broadcast only, whatever. Yeah. But I feel like the when it's the big group is when it is more valuable to be able to see the other person uh, the other people because you get a better sense than if it's like are people confused by what you're saying are we all on the same page is this being okay. received well is everyone nodding okay. is everyone waving their hands but, like wow you're muted but but alan but but you don't want to participate in those shenanigans you just we're want doing to be a passive no it's funnel. we're doing a lot of video calls now mm-hmm. and the the, in the 90s, I remember there was writings about how everyone thought video calls were going to be the future, but that I think it was David Foster Wallace, not to sound pretentious as hell, who, <laughs> who wrote about how awful that would actually be. Because like when you're on the phone and it's audio only, you just imagine that the other person that you have their full attention. Right. But uh-huh. when you can see them and they're sitting there doing like many hours of video calls a day, especially when not 100% of the content is relevant to me, especially in a big meeting, it's like two people are talking about something and I don't really care. But now I don't want to look like I'm not paying attention because but that's, that's exactly rude. that's an equal problem to an in, in-person meeting. No, it's not. Because at least if you're in person, you're there, first of all. And second of all, I feel like we're having more meetings now than when we were in person. So in person... But that's not a problem with video meetings. That's a problem with meeting discipline. No. Again. No, the problem is that we used to have a lot of chatter. Like you would overhear... Like conversations were very sort of organic because we were all sitting around each other. Yes. And now that has to be replaced with something. Yeah, but it does not need to be replaced with a video chat. I agree. Yeah, so we're on... We're agreeing. But like the, the, the words you're saying... Are not I don't agree with, but your <laughs> your goal we have the same goal, which Wait. is not spending eight hours a day on video chat. You think everyone because, should be forced to to be visually present at a meeting? 
I think being visually present in a meeting that's worth having is worth doing when most of the time, unless there's like a practical reason you can't like, okay, you're breastfeeding right now and you're okay. still in the meeting. Okay. Then sure. But like if it, the meeting's worth having, then especially for a meeting where it's not like two people who knew each other really well and have already full trust and you, you you'll pick up the subtleties that you're, you're on the same wavelength or whatever. But if people are trying to make a point, maybe disagree, uh, you know, come to decisions about things, then I think the video is a, is a worthwhile ad and that people having it on people who have it on have a tendency to be understood better. And there's fewer miscommunications and people give each other the better benefit of the doubt and stuff. Not that it's a huge, like black and white difference, but it's, it's worth the, the downside. But if a meeting isn't worth having, then of course you don't like, if you don't not having video on a meeting that you shouldn't be in, then it's also like, you can also mute the audio too. Right? Okay, so a couple like, points. You could be you could be <laughs> headbanging to <laughs> Rammstein while yeah, you're doing the meeting. That's in one true. Way, like then whatever. Definitely right? Rammstein. My Daria, my wife's favorite band, Rammstein. Oh, I did not know that. Neither does she. She hates Rammstein. <laughs> 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 Which is why I like to talk about how it's her favorite band. But yeah. um, okay, so a couple points on that. I I agree with you in some ways, and I don't in others. So. First of all, let's talk about this whole staring at the camera thing. So it there is a there's just an appearance pressure and a it and a almost like an acting present. Like I could be in a room with you and it requires less effort for me to appear present than it does on a video chat where you're literally only seeing my face and everyone else's face as opposed to you're in a room and you're looking around and you don't see everyone at all at the same time. No. I don't think so. I think on a video chat I can more easily just put something that isn't related to the meeting up on my screen near the camera and read it. And it looks more like I'm paying attention than in an in-person meeting where I actually kind of need to look. Well, that no, that's true. If you wanted to f- try to fake it at like that. The other thing I would say, though, is that I do think... That I'm not if, saying I ever have done that. You definitely have done I had that. Done probably that. two day. But I, I, I'll say that I do think that if you're participating in the meeting, if you're doing talking more than just a little bit, I like to just click my video on then. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if, if you're, all you're saying is like, you're one of a hundred people in a giant department meeting that's receiving a presentation and you don't want to have your video on, then it's like, whatever. No, that's different. I think we both agree on that. We both agree on that. But I'm saying like, if I'm in a team meeting, parts of it, I'm going to participate in parts of it. I'm going to participate in less. If I'm not participating and I'm just kind of there and I'm listening, I just feel less stressed if I just turn off my video. Yeah, and there's something like there's something to be said for that trade off of, of like mental health, right? There's yeah. so many things where it's like, I mean that that maybe would be true with an in person meeting too. There's just isn't a button where you can warp in and out of the meeting as needed. Yeah, but if there was, I probably then maybe would press use it. it. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. just think we should prioritize our mental health. I mean, now is the time for that. I'm glad you agree. So in the end, you agree with me. <laughs> is that the conclusion <laughs> see if I, we'd had video on then I, you would have seen we would have seen more eye to eye did you ever see that's true did you ever see kids in the hall brain candy have you seen that movie no that's, i know kids in the hall but yeah not of course you know candy. kids in the hall canada's great kids yeah. in the hall so they made a movie and there's an amazing moment in the movie it's a it's a fun movie it's like a you know a cult classic there's a great scene in the movie where the the this boss and his employee are arguing about something and the boss just goes well uh, you would agree that Paris is the capital of France, would you not? And the employee's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, good. I'm glad we're back in agreement. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. And it's like, as long as you agree with me on anything. Yeah. By the way, not agreement, agreeance, which I always thought oh, was agreeance. a special yeah. mm-hmm. treat. Yeah. yeah. There is something to be said, though, for the, the general technique of when there seems to be a disagreement. Just find an agreement on something. Getting on the same page. Yeah. yeah. Find something we can both from work from. Yeah. And we did that. And now I know that you 100% agree with literally everything I said. Everything which you've is ever just said. Just wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Co signed mm-hmm. Alan, no middle name Pike. <laughs> I'll sign a document that says that. I'm going to need you to do that. Uh, you're going to need to get it notarized, though. Is that going to be a problem? Uh, yeah. No. Well, they got the e notarization going on now. Oh, we don't have that. We do no. not have that. No, we don't. I had to, I had a notary come to my house and sit out on my porch and hand things through a window. <laughs> oh wow yeah. well, california it's uh, gonna, you're gonna do what you yeah. do fact it up my man so this is a new this is maybe new territory for the show we haven't maybe gone too much into this but okay. uh i i kind of, it's been on my list How for a while with murder so have you ever heard of quasars i have heard of quasars 
When I was a kid, I was fascinated with the idea of quasars. And so I, I okay. was reading about them in my like astronomy books as a kid. Okay. And they talked about these ludicrously bright objects extremely far away, like billions of light years in all directions. Yeah. Bill- you really have forgotten the format of the show, though, right? No. No, no, no. I'm working Because you did not start with fun facts. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't got to the fact yet. I'm, I'm okay, preambling. I'm, oh, okay. This is a preamble. This is your opening statement. This is my opening statement. Okay. All right. I I'm apologize. laying out my argument. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And also maybe ramping people up. Maybe not everyone knows about quasars. I think not everyone necessarily. And I don't even feel like, I mean, I know I have heard of a quasar. That is my level of quasar. I'm not sure if I fully knew what a quasar. I didn't really, I did not know what a quasar was. I just remember it as a kid being fascinated yeah. with, in the, a book about the universe or the solar system or whatever talking about different stuff that was out there and it was like oh and then the furthest away thing is quasars they're ridiculously far and ridiculously bright and ridiculously huge and we don't know anything about them and i remember just being like hmm i'm a little concerned about this (laughs) (laughs) that is a very alan (laughs) and i'm a little concerned what are they and like they send radio (laughs) signals at us and we don't know why and like but what why are they and like the thing the thing that always weirded me out about this, okay, is the the the, f- the well. I mean, there's lots of weird things about it. That like the brightest things in the galaxy are also the furthest away. Like the thing that always weirded me out about it was the fact that the quasars were all really far away, but not like all in one direction. It's not like there was like a quasar neighborhood of the universe where they were all hanging out. So that they're surrounding us, is what you're saying. They're surrounding us on all sides. But none of them are close. They're all far. Very far away. But that had, that didn't make any sense to me because they're not avoiding us. Right. Right. Maybe they are. Maybe they think we're jerks. Why are the big, bright, why are the biggest, brightest things on the edges of the universe? Mm. You think that they would be in the middle or everywhere? Like it didn't make any, it always just seemed weird to me, like a creepy, like things, things watching us from the outside kind of. Yeah. That does seem weird. It always seemed weird to me. And when yeah. I think when these books I was reading as a kid that were written in the 80s and the 90s, the science had not gotten its way through sort of under, understanding of the universe through to kids textbooks such that there was any that there was like a good explanation or at least like a proven explanation for that. Um, but since then, the Hubble telescope has actually helped us figure out what the deal is with quasars and how they work. Tell me. Um, and so that brings me to my fun fact, uh, or at least that I thought was fun. I'm so ready. Uh, fun fact. Quasars are extremely far away from us, not because they are rare or because they're not here, but because they're extremely old. And so the quasars that we can see are the ones that are so far away that the light from way back when, when there used to be quasars everywhere, hasn't gotten to us yet. Oh, wait. Okay, hold on. I have a lot of (laughs) questions. (laughs) So is the... Quasars are really old. Mm-hmm. They used to be closer to us. They, well, they used to be everywhere. Deli- they used to be everywhere, but then the light from them. So, are you saying that the ones that are the ones that we see that are very, very far away aren't there anymore? Yes, that is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, so there are no quasars anymore. Or there are very few quasars. Okay. There. Well, then why are the very few ones far away? Like there are very few qu- quasars now, but there used to be a lot of. Qu- quasars everywhere when was used to be like 10 billion years ago okay that's not that used like, to be that's like more like a long a fair long, while ago long long a fa- <laughs> like not not just like yeah just like dinosaur time ago. like way long way like way way like before like way before the existence of the planet oh yeah way before yeah like more than twice as yeah. long ago as planet earth has existed yeah yeah this is what i'm saying so like we're talking so, a, an extremely Mine completely incomprehensibly long time ago, like the universe is basically still being formed. There were quasars everywhere. Okay. But just, just lousy with quasars. We were lousy with quasars. And then yeah. over time, they like petered out for reasons that I can talk. I'll talk through because I think it's kind of fascinating. Can't wait. Um, yes. And, I also And so the ones that we can see today are the ones uh-huh. that are like 10 billion light years away. Right, and so the light's just the getting light's to just us. now getting to us of that yeah. process from ten billion years ago when they petered out. That is so interesting. Yeah. But so the okay, not to say that the only ones we can see are from ten billion light years away because there are some around still. But but basically, right. 
they're now ridiculously rare. So there aren't any, any quasars remotely near to us. Um, but here's the thing. Light moves really fast. It, pretty fast. But in the context of what I'm about to say, it moves really fast. Yeah. So if they're 10 billion light years away from us and the light has been traveling towards us for 10 billion years, mm-hmm. why is it, where are, where is the light now? The light from the quasar that left 10 billion years ago? How, yeah. How far away is the 10 billion light year ago quasar light from us? Because presumably the reason I ask is because presumably once it passes us. Yeah. And gets far enough away from us in the other direction from the direction it's going. Uh huh. That is the point at which we will no longer be able to see those quasars. Yeah. So like right now there's um, like 10 billion, like, like there were, there were quasars 10 billion years ago uh, and we can right. see 10 billion light years away because they're so bright, but there's a certain distance. Like, let's say they were so bright that their, their brightness could goes for 20 billion light years in all directions. And so you could only see them for 20 billion years and then you would never, you wouldn't see them anymore, basically. Oh, that's interesting. So the I hadn't thought about that. So the amount of light. So it's not like we're getting pretty far off track from what I was planning to talk about, but that's okay. No, but this is awesome. <laughs> so I I I don't know if I've ever told you this before, but quantum physics and and quantum mechanics and stuff like this is kind of like a fun hobby of mine. I would very much not. Uh, I would not claim to have any understanding once we get into quantum, like because all the yeah, this the is people just who actually understand but... quantum physics are like, well, it's actually since the universe is expanding while all this is happening, it's actually not yeah, 10 million. A, it's actually right because it's the, moving the away <laughs> from us at the same time that the light is traveling towards it's actually yeah. 83 billion because of the expansion yeah, of the it's what it's totally wild. Yeah. But so, what I hadn't thought of is the fact that the light from the quasar was leaving the quasar for the entire time the quasar existed when the quasar was giving off light, it, it was going. It was going. Yeah. And so the when it, we, the minute we could see it is the moment that we had technology to see far enough. It's the earliest point of that quasar that, that we have developed the technology to see while it is still visible to us. Yeah. And we'll keep seeing quasars until it's been so long that the last quasar stops giving off light. And then it takes the entire time distance to get to us. And then it takes the entire time yeah. Do we know when that is? Um, well, so I'll talk a little bit about why we will be able to see quasars kind of ongoingly because they can so- sometimes still form. So okay. oh, zooming okay. out back to after having talked about yeah. it for 10 minutes. Back to your actual fact progression. Cause... What is a quasar? <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess we never really covered that. <laughs> we, we did not actually touch on that. So just really bright. Just like really ridiculously bright things. And they're like mind bogglingly uh hot and okay far so, away and far away so what yeah. it actually is a quasar they're super massive black holes okay that sounds bad well i mean it's i mean it's bad if you're close to them it's cool if you're 10 billion light years away That's it's true. fine you got to be very close though as it turns yeah. out anyway so they're super massive black holes that have a massive accretion disk swirling around them accretion disk being like the the stuff that the black hole is sucked around to it that is swirling yeah, around. Yeah, it creates like a ring ring a bit like yeah. Saturn, or it's like anything that gets close enough, but not too close, ends up in this belt yeah. around it. So it's of. close yeah. enough that it's like, it's gonna get sucked into the hole. But it hasn't uh, yet. But it hasn't yet, and so it's swirling around. And there's a certain size of black hole, and there's a certain quantity of stuff that can get can be swirling around it, that this there's so much stuff swirling around the hole at ridiculous speeds and, and uh, velocities and volumes that the, it actually there's friction around this hole of all the stuff swirling around it that actually produces so much heat it causes fusion <laughs> like what the thing that happens in the sun at a scale that is thousands of times more light than our entire galaxy produces the universe is so cool <laughs> the universe is horrifying and amazing and beautiful so cool so yeah. uh so basically these quasars are supermassive black holes with like galaxy sized amounts of stuff going into them uh swirling around like reaming out well ridiculous like galaxy amounts of radiation. sized amounts of stuff going <laughs> it's well okay galaxy so one quasar is larger than our galaxy so this is part of the way it took quite a while for them to figure out what quasars were is that they're actually way smaller than a galaxy because they're so dense because they're so dense yeah oh. um and bonus is that 
this, and they also had all these questions like why do, why do, are they only far away or they're like they knew immediately they're like well that's because they're old right because there's astronomers and not eight-year-olds right so like okay right. they're obviously they're old right <laughs> uh, but like why are they old why aren't they around anymore and like they are actually around still uh mm. is the is the going theory it's just that eventually when the the black hole sucks in most of the stuff that's in its immediately immediate vicinity it becomes black oh yeah hence <laughs> the, yeah. the name black hole Wait, oh the, the black hole becomes black or the quasar becomes black well the 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 bright stuff that's like fusioning gets sucked into the black hole and an aspect of black holes is that they're fairly black right and then it's just empty yeah empty darkness yeah because the light can't escape anymore and so right. once that right. happens then the remaining stuff that's around the black hole is is often just a galaxy what <laughs> So, like, the center of our Milky Way galaxy, like, if you imagine... A th- is theorized to be a black, theorized a to be a black, black hole, hole. A supermassive black hole. Yeah. And so we don't know if it was a quasar uh, at one point, but the theory is that often, quote-unquote often, at the astronomical scale, that quasars were, like, the beginning of a galaxy, that there's, like, this accretion disk throwing off, like, un- unimaginable amounts of fusion friction stuff and then eventually the whole black hole collapses into itself enough that the remaining stuff is far enough away from the black hole or uh, orbiting at a high enough rate or whatever that it can perform a galaxy and if you imagine like a stereotypical galaxy you have these like fairly semi-circular things a stereotypical galaxy yeah you know what i mean (laughs) it's 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 like a blob in the middle (laughs) and there's like kind of a spiral around it or something sure and then you got like that former quasar. But a spiral arm is only one kind of galaxy. It's just right? one kind of galaxy. It's like the one of the pretty kinds. Um, but, that is so Milky Way. <laughs> Milky Way centric. <laughs> Milky Way centric. The blob galaxies are beautiful too. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you hating? <laughs> you got, we're going to get letters from the other galaxies. <laughs> yeah, man. Don't be a, don't be a hater. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, that is really fascinating. That the the reason that they so the the reason that they're all far away is because this is like something that typically happens it happened in the beginning of the universe as it was all forming, and so the ones that we can still see are the ones that happened really far away, and so the light's only now getting to us. Um, but occasionally they can still form when supermassive black holes collide. Um, so it's speculated, and this is a bonus fact, fun fact, when the Milky Way galaxy that we're in and Andromeda, which is our nearest galaxy, uh, they are scheduled to collide with each other in three to five billion years. Uh, there's a speculation that might create a quasar as their black holes merge and create the cycle anew. Well, I can't wait to find out. Yeah. So set your calendar three yeah, to five got, billion years from I've now. It might look really, really cool. What if I put in the calendar, whatever calendar app? Three billion years from now. Well, it depends if it's fixed the year 2038 problem that we were talking about. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. But yeah. if they have mm-hmm. fixed that, then two billion, two billion, three billion. I mean, what's the address space they're using now? Probably enough. Yeah, but I, I doubt that do the it. UI supports it. So I'm just sent you also bonus, which I'll put in the show. Hey. A sweet, sweet rendering of what a quasar looks like. That is sweet. Yeah. That is a sweet, sweet rendering. So what is the white thing shooting into the center of the quasar? I've seen this in other renderings of black holes, but I don't personally know what it is. It's the, like, you have the black hole that's like a kind of a a disc, and then there's a beam coming out of the top and the bottom of that disc, like on what you would think of as, like, kind of the spindle of a globe uh, on the axis that it's spinning around. I don't know off the top of my head what that is called. But it looks super sweet. Also worth noting that Quasar is the name of several fictional superheroes in the Marvel Comics universe. That is not very surprising. Although I feel like anytime I research anything about superheroes in the like, they just used to t- churn those superheroes out. Like there'd just be throw away a dozen superheroes, flash in the pan, see if one sticks. There's, <laughs> there's a lot. Actually. There's a lot of former superheroes. There yeah, really are. Yeah, yeah, there really, really are. There is actually a current quasar, I believe. Hmm. So still active, still active quasaring, qua, qua, quasaring, quasing, quasing. Oh, except that apparently at least one of them got trapped in a black hole. 
So God. it all comes together. But I mean, Spoiler kind of poetic, alert. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go going home. Yeah, what a what a coincidence that the <laughs> somebody with the name Quasar. <laughs> what's the chance of that? That's thing? that's a great that's a great uh, fun fact. Thank you. I love it. I would. I, we could do. They could turn this entire show into weird. What is this like? Astron astronomy corner, astrophysics, astrophysics. I guess you would say astrophysics corner, quantum quantum physics corner. I feel like that would just dramatically increase our listening base. We would get yeah, so many I mean, more subscribers. So many people. <laughs> like there's amateur astro- astrophysics, and then there's. Yeah what what i my level which would be many notches below amateur astrophysics yeah the amateur amateur <laughs> amateur the, like, like eight-year-old assistant intern was obsessed with it but there's yeah. completely no understanding well if you have any cool astrophysics facts that you want us to learn about please let us know on twitter at fun fact pod no at fun fact mm-hmm. fm at fun no. fact fm Thank you. This is how little I say this, that I don't even know our own Twitter account. That's okay. I can edit it so you sound like you did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So so your fun fact was about su- something super far away from us. Extremely, extremely far away. Yeah. And my fun fact is about something that's not that far away from you. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we back so, to the Pacific Northwest fact corner? It, yes. <laughs> I would put this... I'm going to make this an even more specific corner than that and you'll understand in, in as soon as i say the fact what corner we're actually on okay i'm worried if okay. this is like should i be looking at the window fun yeah i'm standing up fun fact i am outside your house on the literal corner that would be amazing that would be Although, pretty cool but you know then, yeah. i'm not mm-hmm. yeah fun fact the capital of british columbia wasn't always victoria it used to be new westminster new westminster facts they're back yes we're back on New Westminster Fact New Corner. Westminster. Now, we have covered this fact before, but only in passing. It was mentioned in passing by the fact, well, not necessarily fact, the legend that part of the celebration that we were talking about in New Westminster that involved uh, anvils in replacement of cannons was done in spite uh, from when they took away the cannons now when new westminster was no longer the capital yeah so when you brought that incredible anvil fact to us and we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to that episode i i decided at that point that at some point i wanted to find out why new westminster was no longer the capital of british Columbia. Mm-hmm. and and i have well and it, it is a doozy of a tale my friend i'm gonna i'm just gonna go out there and i'm gonna speculate because this is the okay. kind of thing the kind of dumb thing that causes things like geographical things in North America to then persist for hundreds of years was that it they wanted the capital like in the pointy part of Vancouver Island <laughs> that sticks into America no. so they could keep no. that part. No, that's wonderful, but no. Okay, that's a, a, for people who don't know Pacific <laughs> Northwest geography. There's like America and Canada have this like completely flat border for like thousands of miles at the 49th parallel, and then when it gets to Vancouver Island, it just goes around the bottom of the island, and so it's just like yeah. oh, Canada can keep that whole island, and that's yeah. in that is where the new capital, British Columbia, Victoria, right. is. Unlike the Point Roberts situation. Unlike Point Roberts, they're like. You know what, Canada, you cannot keep Point Roberts, but you can keep where Victoria is. All of Vancouver Island. So, so, okay. So, New Westminster, just to give people a little bit of background in case you don't remember, became the capital of British Columbia in 1859. And that's like on account of British Columbia coming into existence, I believe. Like, it's not like there was a series of prior capitals. No, yeah, yeah. It was because the colony of British Columbia was becoming a thing. And at that time, but did you know this? At that time, it wasn't called New Westminster. It was just Westminster. No, it wasn't just Westminster. Just Westminster is in England. It was called Queensboro. Oh, okay. That's still like a neighborhood of New Westminster. To, to right. But so, uh, okay. So when, when, but when it became the capital and it was submitted to Queen Victoria, she didn't like the name Queensboro, even though it directly references her, presumably. Yeah. It, she, but she's like, that wouldn't be my borough. That place is like a crap. Hole. There's <laughs> barely anything. There's like a pub and a mill. Right. So she renamed it after Westminster, the part of London where Parliament is located. Sure. And so under the name of New Westminster, it became the capital of the colony of British Columbia. Ah, okay. Now, did you know that at that time, Vancouver Island was not part of British Columbia? 
was it like just unincorporated territory or was it part of this no. whole like Columbia business? It was its own colony. Oh. Called the Colony of Vancouver Island. Okay. Now, over the years, there were discussions between the Colony of Vancouver Island and the Colony of British Columbia about potentially forming some sort of union. Mm-hmm. But by the 1860s, the Colony of Vancouver Island was deeply in debt to the Bank of British Columbia. To the, okay. To and British this prompted... <laughs> Yeah, so this so, so in previous attempts to form a union, it would have been a pretty equal thing. Mm-hmm. But at this but at this point, the uh, Vancouver colony was not really in a position to to dictate terms, and so basically the by island, this point they were the, yeah the mm-hmm. island yeah, yeah they were going to join the union and join British Columbia yeah and uh, in fact one politician who I just included because I love his name which was Amor de Cosmos oh there's a whole thing okay that's a okay. That isn't just, there's more to and more to Cosmos than the name, but we don't need to get into that right now. Wonderful. Fun fact for a future, we can keep this thing going. This is a okay. Markov chain of, <laughs> of uh, fun facts. So he was so intent on it happening that he resigned his seat in the Vancouver Island Assembly and re-ran on a platform of Union. Okay. When he won easily, it sealed the deal that Union was going to happen. Right. Okay. So once the Union happened, they needed to decide which capital was going to be the new capital the capital of of british columbia was new westminster as we discussed the capital of of vancouver island was victoria but you'd feel like that the it sounded like new westminster was the one holding the financial cards here new westminster had all the cards yeah so they can do what they want and then so was there like a hamilton kind of deal (laughs) why is victoria the capital of bc so technically the governor of british columbia was entitled to choose which one okay and did not have to defer to anyone but he decided that he would defer to the newly formed Joint Legislative Council. Sure. And the reason that he did that was because it was overwhelmingly B.C. people. So he's like, oh, he can have the appearance of, oh, well, I will let the elected, elected representatives. Exactly. Decide yeah, look, this was the democracy. obvious thing that they will decide. I see. It's all great. Mm-hmm. Right. But what he didn't realize was that the former Speaker of the House of Assembly in Victoria, who was now a member of the Legislative Council, was a much better politician than anyone mm. in BC. Mm. And he introduced a motion to choose Victoria as the new capital. So this governor didn't want that to happen because, as he said, quote, New Westminster was, in my opinion, the most respectable, manly, and enterprising <laughs> little community. <laughs> it's just manlier. <laughs> it's just it's just manlier than Victoria. It had, it had broad shoulders. Victoria's named after a woman, after all. Yeah. Yeah. So he wrote to the Duke of Buckingham, who was back in England and was technically overseeing some of this, but was super annoyed to get involved, did not want to I'm get like, involved what at even all. even is, I have never been to these places. Yeah, Why are I you sending care. me this letter? And so he got back this response. <laughs> the response was like, I don't care about this. <laughs> but it included this, this part that I thought was great. So I'm going to read it, which was, I think it requisite to say that the establishment of New Westminster as the capital of British Columbia did not, in my opinion, involve any pledge on the part of the government that the site of that capital shall never be moved. Every land purchaser in New Westminster or any other locality must be considered to buy his land subject to the possible changes which the varying political or commercial interests of the whole community may from time to time render necessary. Okay, so it's basically like if if it moves and you you invested in that place, then that's kind of your fault for assuming. Sucks to be you. Sucks to be you. <laughs> like, like, uh-huh. like, we're just going to do whatever we want. And I just love the like real politic you know, directness of it. Anyway, so the, the newspapers of the time got involved and one called the Fraser River that New Westminster is located on a stream of liquid mud. Eh, it kind of was. And New Westminster was referred to as a pimple on the face of creation. Okay, well, that's a little mean. <laughs> so so finally they decided they would settle this with one more session of this legislative council. Mm-hmm. And during this session, a certain Captain William Hales Franklin, who was the magistrate for Nanaimo, okay. which is another town on Vancouver Island, planned to give a speech in favor of New Westminster because Nanaimo and Victoria were rivals who hated each other. Sure. It was like the bitter, because Victoria was like the big sister that Nanaimo had to like live under and was always like acting like they were better than Nanaimo, which That you know, continues to be the case to this day. Yeah. So, but one of the supporters of Victoria a guy named William Cox was sitting directly next to him. And as he got up to, to read his speech, he just kept shuffling the papers of his speech and, and making the guy read the introduction over and over again. <laughs> so he just, I guess he was a little absent-minded. So he just, he read the introduction of his own speech three different times. Okay. And I'm and sure. Then, 
I'm sure there might have been some maybe a uh, a warm beverage. It's possible. At, and then he put point. his glasses down, and this Cox guy popped out the lenses of the glasses so he couldn't keep reading. This is like one of those like you didn't have a rule against that, right? Totally. So chaos erupted, as you might imagine. Uh-huh. And then another Victoria supporter, I guess this was all like very planned, asked for like a half hour recess to restore order. Mm-hmm. So when they resent, when they reassembled after the half hour, this Franklin guy got up to begin his speech again, probably holding tightly onto the papers this time. But the speaker of the assembly, who was another Victoria guy, refused to let him have a quote unquote second chance to speak, arguing that he had already had his time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So now we're getting into some real, like, procedural Robert's Rules of Order shenanigans. So they ended up voting, and it ended up being 13 to 8 in favor of Victoria. But just to stick it to New Westminster a little more, the day that they chose to officially switch was a local holiday in New Westminster. Was it Victoria Day? It was not Victoria Day. It was the day after May Day. It was Uh, May Day. But, like, and it took two years. All this whole process I just described took two years. I'm sure there was also some, like in the room where it happened kind of like oh Some yeah back, well, if you do back this dealing uh, like yeah. a common thing when this kind of thing would happen and there's like other stories of that in like the history of especially the west coast getting colonized is that it would be like hey if you if you agree to move the capital to victoria then this deed for some land in victoria will be suddenly be available it'll happen to be available at a good price or yeah whatever, right because i've already i've already specu- made some speculation based on this change that right. happened like vancouver like pro- vancouver proper um was originally going to like the which is where it is because it's the termination of the cross canada railway line that came all the way across from the the east the that railway line originally ended at um the end, like just where Broad Inlet ends, which is maybe like you know, thirty miles away from here, and then a whole bunch of people like were were building a town at the end of the railway line, and then there was and, and speculating and at incredibly inflated prices about what the land would be worth where this railway is going to end, mm-hmm. and then meanwhile the railway makes a deal where hey, if you give us a bunch of land a little bit further down, then we'll end the railway there, and then ended up <laughs> completely screwing over all the people who were investing in. Uh, port moody which ended up not actually being a worthwhile port at all because oh well we'll just take the train a little bit further down and make our port down uh in vancouver and uh yeah and the railway for like 100 years owned like a huge chunk of the city because the shenanigans yeah i mean the movements of railroads have dramatically shaped the world like at one point fun fact st louis used to be uh, the third biggest city in the united states or maybe even more like the second biggest city and chicago was basically a village but then, uh, and this is not about bribery, it's about stupidity, but the people in St. Louis didn't want the railroad to come to mm-hmm. St. Louis. And so it went to Chicago. and mm-hmm. The newfangled technology. Yeah, you know, went to Chicago instead, and, you know, the rest is history. One, one thing I want to point out is that in that in that introduction of his speech that Mr. Franklin read three different times, he, he compared the future of New Westminster on the Fraser with the prosperity of Calcutta on the Hooghly. Okay. Which seems... Sp- Furious to me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this was like 1868. I think Calcutta was a pretty big deal. Our like current political time and some of the discourse can be very ridiculous. Uh, but sometimes it, going through historical stuff, it's always a nice reminder. Like, it's always been like this. It's, you know, there are some extreme things right now, but there's yeah. a baseline ridiculousness that has come and gone for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of so, like the Greek philosopher saying, like, kids these days don't respect their <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that's why that's why Victoria is the capital of British Columbia. Oh. Sorry, yeah. New West. Sorry, New West. Yeah. We, lo- we love you here. But you still get the Victoria Day. We love you here on Fun Fact. Yeah. And we don't think you're the pimple of the Fraser River or whatever. <laughs> we definitely don't. I really want to visit. I've, I've never been to your lovely burg. Like, specifically... Yeah, New Westminster. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, never. Been, I don't think I've ever been to New Westminster. I'm, I'm like trying to like roll through my head. It's like, what would you arc in New Westminster? Well, there's like a there's like a key. There's kind of like a we could go for Anvil pier. Day. We go for Anvil Day. There's a really good breakfast place on like the waterfront. There, there's like a, <laughs> a paddle wheeler. I do like great breakfast places. Yeah. So yeah. we could make I'm we could board. we could do a little tour of New West. Yeah, we should. Let's and we could visit the museum because we got a a secret. We got a secret info from the New West museum that one time remember that's right we gotta go to the museum yeah we gotta go yeah for sure so my next fact 
is like the quasars is a bit outside of my wheelhouse as far as topics that I really am qualified to be speaking about, but I thought it was like super fascinating and cool. So I just wanted to make that my, my fact. I wanted to do some research and make it a fact. Yeah. So fun fact in the 1700s, there was a well-known Quaker preacher okay. with a non-binary gender identity named the public universal friend. Wow. Now, did you did you find this fact because Quasar and Quaker sound similar? Uh, no, but actually I'm going <laughs> to claim that that was, I'm using a two-syllable oh, starting with a Q theme. <laughs> Quakers and Quasars. Uh, okay, so this is a, so the fun fact here is that there was a, what what year was this? In the 1700s. In the 1700s, there was a non-binary gender neutral person who was a quaker who called themselves the a quaker preacher <laughs> preacher preacher sorry i was so caught up in the quasar quaker thing that i didn't even really listen to your facts i'm very yeah. sorry it's a it was a quaker preacher yeah and na- named the public universal friend the public universal friend yeah that's a so great name that's a great name if you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna go out and just stake my i'm my name is it's not like picking a pat or something no so in 1752, yeah. they were born to a Quaker family, yeah, uh, and they were raised as a woman. Okay, but in 1776, so in roughly in 1776, in, in 1776. Okay, I, this is going to be co- totally coincidental to the founding. Of, it was not entirely okay. coincidental, actually, to all the revolutionary stuff that was going on, because there was a bunch of like tumult in the community, and there's some. There's speculation, or there was speculation in the time, that the stress of everything that was going on contributed to their illness, which was like typhoid or something like that. Okay. In 1776. But in 1776, they fell ill. With typhus. With typhus or or something similar. And when they awoke, they explained that their former identity had died, and they had been given a new name by God. By God, okay. the The public universal friend. Such a great name. Which is a great name. Like, that would totally, that would be a good Twitter handle today. Yeah, that, is right. that taken? <laughs> uh, and they asked not to be referred to by gendered pronouns anymore, and okay. uh, they refused to answer by their birth name, and they traveled the northeastern United States preaching and uh, tracking a following, talking about their beliefs, which which I was really surprised to find that other than this, like, complete rejection of gender roles, uh, their their preaching was mostly, like, standard Quaker beliefs. Oh, so they were just a preacher. They were a preacher who had found felt the word that they wanted to spread. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was like free, you know, the importance of free will, opposition to slavery. They advocated abstinence because that was a big Quaker thing at the time, apparently. Uh, but it was just kind of like, yeah, just being a normal Quaker, Quaker preacher, but just like refused to accept that there was gender binary or at least that they could be constrained by that and yeah. went around and they established this, or like I think their followers established this society of universal friends, which are people who followed the universal friend and and like and celebrated their teachings. And they founded uh-huh. a town, which they founded a town. Well, once you get into they founded a town, you're like, okay, so you're are you describing a cult, yeah, um, or a commune, or what? What are we what are we dealing with here? Yeah, and so the. the you might be surprised to learn that there were some people at that time who were skeptical of this individual. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, like, what was the what was the uh, vibe for the the public universal friend in that time? Like, did people did people treat the public universal friend well? Yeah, I think that the sense I get is that there was a mix. Like, there were some people. I mean, maybe not surprisingly, especially like women who are the heads of their households and were maybe seeing an example of somebody who was not completely conforming to expectations for gender in yeah. the 1700s, like thought that this was maybe somebody worth listening to. Okay. Uh, and then like the establishment men who were like setting down the law and like things as they are were maybe yeah. less friendly to I'm shocked. The Society of Universal Friends <laughs> and their I am shocked. <laughs> right? I and so you. as is often the story when there's a you know group of religious people that are maybe not super well tolerated by the people around. Um mm. but like to be clear, it wasn't like this was like a random person that like had five people they were ranting to in an alley. Like they were followed by the press and they were like well known, <sighs> even if they were all like well liked necessarily by all strata of society. But yeah. at, as is often you know, or sometimes the end or sort of tail end of these stories is they founded 
uh, a town, which is a less weird of thing to do in the 1700s where like, you know, they're still colonizing yeah, uh, I feel North like towns America. were things that were being founded. Yeah, whereas now if you found a town, that's like really suspicious. Right? Pretty odd. Yeah, it's like you end up in a documentary. You're going to get an Netflix documentary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, country or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, it was like not as weird of a thing. But then apparently like there was some shenanigans around like the people who owned the land and how it was getting surveyed and who had rights to what. And there was lawsuits and people trying to get them kicked out and people trying to take their land. And there's a bunch of drama around that that's pretty unrelated to the part that I thought was interesting was that there's like sort of a, a historical figure in revolutionary America that was like very, like very like, like plainly and uh, yeah. outward, outwardly non-binary in their identity, which I thought was really interesting as somebody now looking back on history hundreds of years later, which like at the time you would not be surprised to learn that there was lots of historical accounts that this person was obviously a fraudster and they were like yeah. they were deceiving people like about their true like the gender that they were supposed to be performing. Right? Yeah, they're clearly tricking people. They're clearly tricking know, people. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but now looking back on it and then sort of reading the same story from like a more modern perspective, it's like, oh, wow, this person was like found a way to deal with whatever but constraints were put on them that they did not obviously want. Uh, and even though there was obviously some problems that they had from that, they seemed to kind of make some impact on the world and like gave some yeah. hope to some other people who also didn't like the constraints that had been put on them, which in the 1700s was a lot of constraints. So I thought that was, was pretty interesting. What, what happened to their town? Uh, it seemed like well, the town still exists. It's Jerusalem, what? New York. Um, but it Jerusalem, seems like New York, Jerusalem, like named after ah, people Jerusalem. should just find new names for towns. But that okay. was not the style of the time. <laughs> you could at least call it New Jerusalem. What? Uh, just uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, it's, it's Quakers. I don't know. Did they build it with Jerusalem stone? Because that would be cool. We're going to get Quaker mail. Yeah. No, it seemed like it was a pretty normal town, but then like there apparently there's some like I was saying there's some drama about exactly who owned the land, and then the Quakers started uh, making improvements, and then uh, other people came into the town and they wanted the land, and like well, yeah, not okay. surprising, yeah. like obviously, but it it's was, still around today. You're saying the town exists under that name still, yeah. It's That's not a big cool. town, but no, but it's a town. Yeah, yeah. Is there still? Do you think there are there still Quakers there? Do you know? Um, I don't know much about modern day Quaker. Like when I hear stories about Quakers, it's often in a historical context, but. We had a Quaker meeting hall on my college campus. Oh. Yeah. So got to know some Quakers. Yeah, lovely. Right. They were lo- at least the ones I knew were lovely. Are there are they like I don't don't speculate if you really don't know, but like are they <laughs> pacifist? Is that like one of their defining ideologies or is like traits is pacifism? I never heard like Quakers no. That that is I mean I, I that is my. That was also my understanding, but I don't know. To your point, I do not know well enough to. I think say we should just state an entire, <laughs> entire group of people. No, They're I don't all, know. I, but I, yeah. I, it is like a a stereotype. I would have. It's a stereotype, yeah. But I think I got mine from like Six Feet Under, maybe. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Did you ever mm-hmm. watch that show? I saw some of it. Yeah, were they Quakers? A great show. Or they no? Like he no. There's like a subplot where where the the eldest son who's kind of the center of the story becomes a Quaker or starts attending mm-hmm. Quaker meetings or something. Oh, okay. I don't know what it says about me that if like a group of people are pacifists, then I'm just more predisposed to them. Like I'm more likely to trust them. It says nice things about you. I think. I don't know. I, I, to me, I've, if to, no. I'm allowed to have my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that there's some people who would have negative. Probably. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I'm not one of them. And you're on a podcast with me, my man. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's amazing. I, you know, I, I know that there's all kinds of stories. Like there was a, I, I don't remember, I don't remember the specific pharaoh well enough to say fun fact here, but there was a a pharaoh who was born a woman, but then became pharaoh or raised a woman, or I guess she identified as a woman, but anyway, was was born a woman, but which and then became pharaoh and then wore like a fake beard ah, mm-hmm. as part of being pharaoh. There's a bit of that with the like in the context of the 1700s it was harder to just be like completely like completely invent okay what does non-binary mean to me sort of uh dress and look and so the friend uh the quaker even though they were like very specific about not adopting any gender identity they tended towards more male stereotypical clothing because partially because that was the stereotype they they would expect from a preacher at that time. 
Uh, okay, that I mean that makes sense. Yeah. But it was described as androgynous, and you know, I've, I'll, I'll, of course, there's also you know some the press liked to write negative things about how it was inappropriate, blah blah blah. But the the the, the thread of you know finding a way through and kind of fighting for, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like absolutely. I mean, it just shows that these are not new ideas, right? Yeah, it just takes a while for them to percolate and actually yeah. get fully implemented. Related to this thing of the pharaoh or like a, somebody raised as a woman and then becoming pharaoh and then have these expectations of having beards and things like this. Uh, I have learned this week, bonus fun fact, it was only in 2013 that it, British law was changed so that the firstborn child of the monarch will become the next monarch, regardless of whether or not it's a boy or girl. Wait, they ended male primogenitor in 2013? The Succession to the Crown Act 2013. Good God. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And the reason I found that out is because they've just had multiple now, queens, by the way. <laughs> I guess they were. They've had many queens, but it's they were. They the, were never the first. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, weren't, yeah. Is because it just was happened no for other yeah. boy. Um, yeah. There was, so if there's no boys, then then a woman could be because in some systems it's like they can never be a woman, and so just you know broad search up the tree until you find the, a male. Heir. Yeah. Whereas in the British system, it was males by default, but then okay, if there's no men, then we'll give it to a woman. But in the modern system, or modern, it's still ridiculous. It's a monarchy, so it's like still a ridiculous system. But now it's like okay, well, just whoever's born first. We're not going to have that system. But the reason that I heard about that is because it's it was this year that the Canadian Supreme Court uh, refused to see a case about whether or not the that would be ruled in Canada. Like there's, there's all this weird, super, super sub sub current in like Canadian politics of like the 1% of people who care about whether or not there should be um, the monarchy still technically in Canada or not. And they fight about these kind of things. And so it's like the succession to the crown changes in British uh, law. And then people in Canada, like almost no one, but like the small people who are like nerds about this stuff want to know like, Oh, well then does that automatically apply in Canada? Or like, how do we get that applied in Canada? Or like, is it, like, what is the legal consequence of that? And, like, it's a whole giant rat hole. But apparently there's, like, a Supreme Court ruling in the year 2020 about whether or not, uh, or there was not, because the Supreme <laughs> Court was like, why are you even this to us? Like, leave us alone. <laughs> Which was interesting um, that it's, like, gotten to the point that's, like, yeah, that's not, like, it says something about the monarchy in Canada that they were, like, no, we're not seeing this case. Um, by, but, by the way, apparently a similar bill for all succession in the uk failed there's like bloodline succession that isn't the monarchy yeah so there was something called the equality the equality titles bill which would allow equal succession of female heirs to hereditary titles and peerages like being dukes and earls like ceremonial titles I, i mean they're not completely ceremonial you can be in the house of lords apparently it was known as the downton abbey law yeah, I saw that, but it failed. Like, so it's not even. It's literally only the queen, like the royal, like the you know the the ruler. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't I, know. I'm, yeah, <laughs> just it's Wait, like if you go even like more than super super shallow, like if you yeah. if you go with any depth into with this British titles and peerages and the house of lords oh, and God, all this stuff yeah. pretty quickly it's like it's like spaghetti code from from history right you're like the system is the way it is for purely historical reasons no one would create one would create the system intentionally yeah. but but also like, no one wants to change it <laughs> well like people want to change it but it's yeah. like the effort of changing it is high and the yeah. benefit of changing because it's still is like low it's not yeah. currently damaging anything in that yeah. it's like the cobalt is still running yeah, and that's yeah. kind of, that's what the British like. I'll just say this: and... the, there have been times in history where sort of royalty or like you know whatever you would call them have been sort of liberal and progressive, but it's uncommon. You would, I am. Hmm, that's interesting. I kind of have an assumption that that's never true, but I guess no, it's definitely true. You could look at like the Marquis de Lafayette and a lot of like oh, okay. there, there was a whole period of enlightened nobles who were very into like French philosophy and stuff in the. In the 1700s, there were actually a lot. Were and they in Russia as well. Or were they like like nobles 
who no, were, it made it all the way up to monarchs. I mean, the yeah. the Tsar and in, in there was I think it was Alexander the First was a pretty famously I think it was Alexander the First one of the one of the sort of eighteen hundreds British Tsars was like really famously a big believer in Enlightenment. I think actually Catherine the Great also big 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 fan of um, Enlightenment philosophy and sort of progressive values. I mean, I, not everything they did matched up with that, of course, but sure. they were at least you know, sort of align with that. And I think, yeah, the Marquis de Lafayette is sort of the canonical example of a very sort of liberal enlightenment noble. They, there were, there were points they wouldn't go past, but there, it wasn't, but it, yeah, I would just say it's generally uncommon. I would say that, uh, hereditary things tend to be slow moving and change. Well, you can see the system where it's like, I have benefited from things as they were. What's yeah. my motivation going really to be to change things? Yeah. Lower. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you do want them to change, but you probably have a baseline lower dis- degree of interest yeah which is occasionally what yeah. you want but yeah. yeah so i think we have some follow-up yeah we do have some follow-up i have follow-up at least which is you on... have follow-up i have no follow-up but you have follow-up i follow up so last episode started with some unpleasant circumstances i was having with my mic setup uh yes in my new uh home recording uh studio there was some there was some aka a closet minor disruption yeah so my instruction where I was getting this hum, um, which we neglected to like call out explicitly, but was, was <laughs> had this 60 hertz like ground hum, like the hum of like a power line, kind of like that sort right. of like level. Right. And so, uh, and we were kind of like, I was joking about like, oh, what's it coming from? And like, is it coming from the wall? And like, I was, I was like kind of going a little loopy because I tried so many things to try and get rid of it. What I re- didn't happen to mention in the discussion in the episode is that I had already like swapped out all the cables. I had already made sure that I wasn't plugged into any power sources. Like I was running everything on battery. The hum sounded exactly like the kind of hum you would get if you were plugged into a bad power source. Uh, but I wasn't. Uh, so I got a whole, a, a whole bunch of very helpful people writing in. It's like, oh, that's mains hum. You're plugged into a bad power source. And it's like, thanks for the tip, but actually I'm not, I'm running on battery and this is a really strange issue. What the issue was and was a, I was able to get it fixed is that there is a panel um, in this room, um, which is the main uh, breaker panel for our apartment. And that panel was throwing off enough 60 hertz, like electromagnetic interference um, that it was picking off of the microphone that I had, which was a Rode Procaster, um, which is like a you know, not particularly new, but pro, like a prosumer, medium, yeah, prosumer microphone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was fairly old, and for whatever reason, it had gotten into a state where maybe some shielding or something—I don't know exactly the physics behind why it had degraded in this way. Um, but it was picking up uh, interference from that panel, and so the closer it was to the panel, and depending on how the microphone was oriented with relation mm. to the field lines coming mm-hmm. off of the panel, mm-hmm. it would mm-hmm. make this, it would induce this 60 Hertz hum in the microphone. And so yeah. I swapped Much like out. like a quasar might. It's exactly in every way like a quasar, <laughs> except slightly smaller. Slight, just a little bit smaller. Yeah. So I swapped out a different microphone. Yeah. Which, and they completely eliminated the problem. So that was. Wonderful. The, well, yeah. we're very excited. Although, I mean, I really think it was a minor disruption at the beginning of last time, last episode. Yeah, it was like the first five minutes of me like tinfoiling the room. <laughs> I loved it so much. But uh, yeah, thank you for tolerating that. I apologize to that. And hopefully audio quality will be a little bit better here on out. And I think the microphone sounds, sounds okay. So Sounds great. Actually, maybe sounds better. So we'll yeah. try that for the future. Quick bonus self-follow-up. Point Roberts, Washington, which we mentioned previously as being a portion of Canada that happens to descend below the 49th parallel and therefore is officially a part of the United States. But it's like the it, size of a postage stamp. Yeah. Is apparently the safest place in the country right now because it's basically impossible to get in at the best of times. Hey, so they got yeah. some benefit from that like weird map typo. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. 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 So, so congratulations, Point Roberts. You made the news. Congratulations, Point Roberts. And we love you. Yeah. Yeah. So I have sent you... <laughs> <laughs> the list of of titles courtesy peerages, titles. uh in britain and ireland yeah my question is yeah which one would you pick which one of these would i want yeah like you you've you've been you've achieved some great noble deed how did one choose parliament this? or the monarchy or whoever has decided you know what 
normally these are hereditary, but you're such a hero. But I'm going to give it to you. No one's, yeah, there's no one left. We're just going to revoke the, the Earl of Devon. Oh, no, they're taking it away? They're just they're taking not... it from someone they're giving it to you. Oh, wow, okay. What are you, you going to go what for? What do I choose? Well, I don't feel like I know enough about this. No, you but... just got to go by which one sounds the coolest. Yeah, that's what like I'm going to do. The Earl of Strathmore and Kinghorn. Like, mm, then you get to Kinghorn's be Earl of two things. good. I, I might be the Duke of Edinburgh just because... Because <laughs> then people know what that is. It's <laughs> like, hey. That's probably not what they had in mind when they're like, you can just take one of these titles. Yeah, like, like oh, no. Okay. No, you can't do that one. I'm going to be the Prince of Wales. Yeah, that, that'd be... That would, there's no princes on here. Your choices are earls, marquees, or marks. Oh, actually, I like dukes. this one. The Earl of Mansfield and Mansfield. It's like, it's like wow. he's the Earl of a law firm. Wait, is the Earl of Sandwich available? Because I would definitely oh, go for that. It's yeah. on there? Okay, well, that just wins. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's Earl of Sandwich. Obviously, <laughs> Done. Sandwich. Oh, Done I didn't, deal. I assumed that it would be a contest. <laughs> like the Earl of Shrewsbury and Talbot. Like, that no, yeah, compete whatever. compete with the Earl of Sandwich. No, get out of here. I want Wait, Earl the Earl of, of Portland? That sounds just yeah. made up. Yeah, okay. Mm. Earl of Sandwich. Earl of Sandwich, yeah. <laughs> 